What's going on, everybody, and welcome into the Summit State of Mind podcast. You're listening to The Commissioner right now. Just wanted to inform you and let you know that we have a great and exciting episode for y'all in store today. Going to be continuing on from part one of It Was All a Dream with Akeem Olajuwon's very storied career. We are coming in now with part two of this entire episode. Great episode at that. A legendary episode. All we can do for a very legendary career for the greatest rocket of all time, Akeem Olajuwon. Vincent Curry joins us on the podcast. It's basically a continuation from the first uh, conversation that we had had, a continuation going forward. So we don't even have an intro. Like, I don't even have an intro set up. We just kind of go and we continue on. So we're going to be continuing that on from there. Hakeem Olajuwon's story career obviously continues after the 1994 title. We're going to be talking about, obviously, the 1995 title, the back-to-back championship, the road it took to get there, the toughest road ever possible in NBA history to an NBA championship, the lowest seed to ever win it at six. And then we're going to talk about his, obviously, his MVP caliber performance, greatest uh, serious performance maybe in the history of the NBA against David Robinson in the Western Conference Finals, and then obviously leading up to the Apex, an NBA championship. And then obviously from then on, he he gets older, and then we end up talking about the downslope of his career and the fact that he didn't end his career in the city of Houston and what Vincent's uh, thoughts were and what the thoughts of the city were on top of that. So we talk about that, the GM, the commissioner, and coach rejoin us on this podcast rejoin us on Akeem Olajuwon the number 34 the greatest 34 in history for this great and amazing conversation this sit down zoom conversation that we end up having to celebrate the storied amazing hall of fame career of the great Hakeem the dream Olajuwon so sit back relax this is part two of it was all a dream celebrating Hakeem Olajuwon here on the Summit State of Mind. This is basically the apex here for Akeem Olajuwon in terms of where he wanted. This is the mountaintop that he he's strived to get, and he finally got it. Finals MVP, like I said, Defensive Player of the Year MVP. Greatest player on the planet. I don't care what anyone says. At, the, at that point in time, ain't no one buddy better than him. And I'm including. I'm gonna include Jordan in this. I, no one was gonna beat Hakeem. That, that was his chance. Yeah. Facts. Facts. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Coach. I appreciate that. I needed. I needed to hear you okay it because I'm like, yo, I know, I know. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially, cool. I would even include the the year he came back. My MJ came back. You couldn't People stop forget that he came back in 95. Anyways, so we're going to talk about that. We're com- coming up right now. So this team had just won an NBA championship, the Houston Rockets. We roll over to 94-95. Uh, Kenny Smith says it best. The start of the season was pretty okay, but he said it. Fat, cat I- fat cat-itis. That's what he says. You bought uh, into their own hype. You bought into your own yeah. hype. He's like, they're getting interviewed by everybody. National, uh, com- national commercials. They took a trip to Paris. You know, they're yep. all getting all of this, all these accolades. Now all these, you know, it's not Hakeem, which is funny because Hakeem wasn't even doing any of that stuff. It was like Kenny Smith. It was Mario Eli. It was Vernon. Vernon you, know, Oda, yeah. you know, all these players doing these things. So now we're coming Carl into Herrera. Yeah, Carl Herrera on top of that. So we're going into the season now and uh, this second season for the second quest for a championship, trying to go double clutch, like I said uh, earlier in the episode. 
they're trying to get this title and they're going <coughs> to run into a wall here. Uh, coach, I want to direct a question over to you. Um, you saw you saw it happen firsthand um, to try to get the repeat. Obviously, when we're about halfway through the season, something's wrong. Like, you know, the, the, the synergy just isn't there. Yeah. Did you I, agree with – sorry, sorry, before – I didn't mean to cut you off, but did you no, no, agree no, no. overall with the initial trade? Because there were Rockets players on the background that did not want this trade with Clyde Drexler. What was your immediate thoughts when you had saw this trade happen? And did you think that that trade needed to happen at that time, at that moment? I think for me, I, it came as a shock. I, I remember being in shock, kind of both in a bad way and in a good way. Shock in a bad way that even though we were kind of fat-itis or whatever you call it, I, I just thought that they were just kind of cruising along. You yeah. know, how they talk about, you know, if you know how to win, you kind of put yourself on cruise until you get to the playoffs, then you turn it on. This is the... This is the idea of like, yeah. yeah, LeBron and whatever they're doing today. But I, I initially thought, okay, they're just kind of li- staying in the middle, conserving energy. They're older. They have two, you know, they have a good core, but they don't have anyone that could take over for a team. So I knew this. They were trying to not kill everybody like Chicago Bulls did. Yeah. But they're not, and I'm not talking about, I'm just comparing not that, I, that they did it before, but kind of a shock, but in a good way that they did, they did trade for Clyde. Now mm-hmm. that to me was that kind of that, you know, adrenaline into the veins that you needed to get the city back from, uh, what are we doing? What are we doing right now? And like the city was still championship fever, but it wasn't yeah, was like, the city like, yeah, the city to me was like, uh, we, we can we could turn this around. We could turn this around. Mm. We could turn it on at any point. This is mm-hmm. this is nothing. You know, they're just taking a break. You know, they'll they'll win the they'll get into the playoffs no problem, and you know we'll get a high seed. Blah blah blah. But it wasn't like there was a little bit of hesitation to say that they were gonna go back to the finals. Like, mm. yeah, we got this. We got this. So they were definitely still a little leery. But when Clyde, when the trade went down and Clyde was the one that was coming back, I mean, I think you saw it more in Hakeem than you did with the, the city. Hakeem was happy that it was Clyde. Oh, he was Hakeem so was like, he was, yeah, he was like, excited. no one else he was, was like, happy. They yeah. were not happy yeah. at all. Hakeem was like, yes, my brother is coming in. We're going to get this title. And I think it all, just like you said, from the previous championship, it all stems with Hakeem. If he's happy, he can get everyone else on board and get that energy distributed out and, and get everyone back on track. And I think, I think you could have traded a lot more, you know, I don't, I can't recall who was traded for Clyde. Mm-hmm. But Otis, I Thorpe. Could, Otis Thorpe. Uh, OT. Yeah. OT okay. got mm-hmm. traded. That's the mm-hmm. thing. And that, that was a lot of issues because yeah. the players, Kenny Smith, Robert Ory in particular, were very upset because, you know, that was their brother. That was their quote unquote yeah. brother. Yeah. You know, they wanted brother to run arms. it. They wanted to run they it back. They wanted to run it back. Yep. yep. Give them but, a chance to, to to give them a chance to defend it. Yeah. That's what that was. The but I, I think I, I think they you know, this is where management can kind of see outside of the basketball circle that they're playing in, mm-hmm. that they could see, OK, the team is good. It could still contend. But I think we needed that 
they need that jolt of both of energy and also kind of like another star that can take over. Yeah, another star, but I think more so like that desire to win it for Clyde. Mm-hmm. You could run it back with everyone who's already won a championship and the desire is going to be there. Mm-hmm. But I think especially with Akeem, he said, "Man, I want to I want I think he wanted to win it for Clyde because he never got one." I mean, for yeah. God's sake, he was a Hall of Famer. He's a yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. He could have easily he, been and, in the Charles Barkley mold where he never won one, you know? Yeah, and, that's, and that's with, very true. And he got close with, with Portland, but he never but yeah, because because but because of uh but because of you know, he never got there. So 23. Yeah. So that's why what you know, when the trade happened, he came to Houston. He it's you know, I remember the whole hoopla. It was like I think I have that Chicago the, the Houston Chronicle paper of like when they got the trade and they you saw Clyde coming in and and Hakeem was there and I was like I have that yeah. paper you could tell there was like there's that energy again like it was our first mm-hmm. and I think that's what they were trying to recreate it's yeah. not that you couldn't want, win it again with the same crew I think what the management saw Les Alexander saw that he needed the team to feel like this is going to be the first time again mm-hmm. you have a team that can win it we're yeah. trading, yeah, we're trading a, a, a critical key part of the championship team previously, mm-hmm. but you're injecting in quality, if not the same quality, but it, but the intangible is the hunger to win it for the first time. And that, I think, is what put them over the top. The mm-hmm. difference between, you know, just cruising through and, you know, winning seven-game series uh, and then getting like very, very tired at the finals to, to the point where you could see, I mean, we're, I'm getting ahead of myself. You could see the hunger when they, when they played Orlando, oh, like wow. they were like, we got to yeah, get this. Yeah. We got to get this. Well, they knew and that every- they knew also that that window, you know, Clyde's older, yep. older, these are your two stars, the window's starting to close here. So good, good thoughts, good points. And, and, and I love, you know, this is why I love having you on coach. You, you give the, you give the vibe of the city at that moment, which mm-hmm. is very interesting. We don't, we don't know anybody that 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 knows that that is into sports in that way that understands it. So I'm going to direct question over to you now, uh, GM Clyde. So let's go forward here. Hakeem gets his teammate back excitement. It's a good jolt. Like you said, it's a good uh, shot to the veins for the city of Houston. City of Houston's uh, excited. Um, but injuries start to derail. People mm-hmm. tend to forget Hakeem towards the end of the season is out. Mm-hmm. So Clyde actually has to carry the team. Yep. The the season, so they don't slip out of the playoffs because they do end 47 and 35. They do get the sixth seed. They had to stay afloat. People tend to forget that Clyde Drexler is key. Like, I think uh, after he gets traded, I think they only stay at 500. They, so they, they hovered around 500 they after didn't the really trade. They didn't really gain any games. From, yeah, they, but they did that's, not. That's on account of Akeem getting injured, though. Let's, mm-hmm. let's be real here. So yeah. your thoughts on your thoughts on you know, that season overall and Clyde kind of carrying it and the disastrous uh, end to the season where Kim just wasn't, you know, there. Uh, he got injured and he got hurt. What were your thoughts on it? In regards to that, it's just, it's a bit weary because I believe, I'm pretty sure the vibe of that, of the city then was still in belief, but from the sixth seed, no one had 
won a championship from that low before ever. Uh-huh. People were feeling confident because of Clyde, but no one really felt confident until they saw Clyde go over the top in game four against Utah at uh, the best of five first round. Clyde put up 40 points, I believe, in that game, and he carried them. I mean, Clyde had some good games here and there in during the regular season, but when you're trotting out there, Charles Jones, Chucky Brown, Robert Ory, Clyde Drexler, and Kenny yeah. Smith, and trying to have Vernon Maxwell come off the bench and he's not happy, there are a lot of mix mixture of bad chemistry happening they're mad at clyde because he's there he replaced that's right gm jim i don't mean to cut you off but yeah i want to ask you that i want to piggyback on and ask you gm Mm -hmm. on top of that Mm -hmm. vernon was very unhappy about this because he feels like someone's replacing him so also so what were your thoughts on that as well the the, on vernon and 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 kind of you know like almost like they're turning their back on him in a way because You know, well, I mean, so so go ahead, know, GM. Give me your. Vernon's thoughts. a great player, but Clyde is a top fifty player in the NBA. I don't see how Rudy could have not given him twenty five minutes a game, but I'm not sure. Maybe Vernon Maxwell was more of a rhythm player. He starts on the floor, and that's where he likes to be. But you know, egos are a damn thing, and Vernon Maxwell had an ego, and unfortunately for him, it was a team first thing, and that was what was best for the team. But at the end of the day, there's some negativity there. Chemistry just couldn't be had. And unfortunately, there was no cohesion between Vernon and Clyde. And it was really unfortunate. I wish Vernon could have been there for 95 and be in the finals with us. But it wasn't meant to be. But, you know. It was better, they, it was better that for was, him. That was even before they made the adjustment to the starting lineup. They, yeah. made, the starting lineup, they made the adjustment in the conference finals. It was Chucky Brown, who was the starting four, but they moved it and put Robert Ory at the four, Mario Elliott at the three, Clyde at the two, and Kenny at the one. And honestly, it could have you could have interchanged Mario Elliott and put in Vernon Maxwell instead. He was a better mm-hmm. defender at the three. And Clyde and Vernon could have been interchangeable. And it's just because Rudy didn't want to make that change. Oh, no, it wasn't even Chucky Brown who started. It was Pete Chilcutt. My bad. Chili Pete was the starter. Chili Pete. I didn't Pete. have to look. <laughs> uh, Chili Pete was the starter, I believe, in the beginning of the San Antonio series. And then yep, they went to yep. Ori. But right. it's bizarre to me to think about it in regards to that. There are so many things. It's raw, like That lineup in particular was the true beginning of the spacing the small, the, the, the not small ball, the, but like, you know, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, the, the, stretch the, stre- the stretch four. The stretch four. There you Robert go. Robert Ori was the birth, even though we talked Tough. about Ralph Sampson being yes. like, kind of like the prototypical inventile staging of it, but it wasn't the NBA wasn't nearly to where it was until oh, yeah. the 90s, where Absolutely. the three point shot was becoming a bit more apparent. Reggie Miller was in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot more three point shooting. So Ori became that he, at 610 he was the height but he didn't have the strength to play the four so correct now nah, will smith of, over here will smith with the skinniness yeah did not it, did not <laughs> yeah. he stretched everything out absolutely and he completely changed the outlook of the game yeah from that series on that's right granted the lineup changed in 96 but that was where the stretch four's birth really began and kind of mm. took um, a leap into the 2000s when bigs started to go down in talent and then they started mm-hmm. to run with the threes at the four position 
And that's where the pace began. So in regards to that, it's kind of crazy to think of how 95 changed the whole complex of lineups in the NBA and was kind of where things started to turn in regards to pace and regards to where shots were taken. You know, 2000, the beginning of 2000 on the Lakers were a thing completely changed that because of Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was so dominant. But in 95, where the league, the, the dominant centers, Shaq wasn't at that dominance yet. Hakeem was still number one, Patrick yep. Ewing number two. That's right. So in regards to that, it's just kind of crazy to really think about it in regards to just the transition, that mini transitional period of the NBA. But back to Clyde. Back yeah, to Clyde. yeah, yeah, back to yeah. Clyde. Sorry, we wanted to... No, it's okay. It's okay. No, 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 it's okay. But that... Clyde was just such a big deal because he is from Houston, U of yep. H grad, and being coming back home, mm-hmm. but he wasn't able to put us over the top just yet. Like, and they said the Clutch City doc, they didn't believe in him like they believed in OT until that game yeah. four game against Utah. They, 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 there was, they didn't necessarily freeze him out, but they, yeah. So I, yeah, so you're right. I definitely, uh, definitely good thoughts on that. And you're right about the genesis and the birth of the, of not the small ball lineup, but the stretch four. All right, so let's move on here. But before we move on, we have to give you guys something. We have to let you know what the greatest barbershop in the entire city of H-Town, the only place where the GM and the commissioner receive our haircuts, the absolute best. If you're talking about scruffy beards, scruffy hair, you want to clean yourself up, you want to look like a true, true gentleman at the highest peak, at the high, at the apex, uh, apex being the word of the day, obviously. <laughs> you want to be in tip-top shape. You have to make sure to check out the greatest barbershop in the entire city of H-Town, and that is the Argyle League. Have you ever wanted to look like a gentleman in a place where you can get a haircut and a shot of whiskey, all while being taken care of by top-shelf professional barbers? That's right. This right here is the Argyle League, where me and the GM have been receiving our haircuts since 2016. What makes Argyle the coolest barbershop in the world? They were voted coolest barbershop in the world. They have been featured in GQ magazine. They were the exclusive barbershop for the NCAA Final Four in 2016. They were the official barbers for the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Calendar launch party in 2017. And that is just a few of their kick-ass accolades. So if you're tired of your hair and you want to look like a gentleman, I highly recommend going to the Argyle League and getting a fresh cut from one of their kick-ass barbers. They are currently located at 709 West Alabama Street in Houston, Texas. You can visit their website now the argyleague.com to book an appointment i'll say it again the argyleague.com to book an appointment i'm telling you guys right now it's the best barbershop in the city of h-town there's no jokes no bullshit being given here i know we're being sponsored by them but it is literally the only place where me and the gm get our haircuts absolute blast when you're in there you want a shot of whiskey right at the door for you you want a can of beer right at the door for you they're spon- did you know that argyle is actually sponsored by saint arnold so all of their beer they come in is all complimentary right when you come in through the door absolutely phenomenal go ahead and give them a call as well if you have any questions alex the manager will pick up the phone and of course our owner carlos shout out to carlos it was his birthday last week Happy birthday, Carlos, the owner, the originator, the creator of the Argyle League Barbershop, and me and the GM's personal barbers as, barber as well. But he's not the only barber there. We have a bunch of kick-ass barbers as well, all professional, all tip-top, all ready for you. And when you go in there, be sure to let them know that the Summit State of Mind sent you. And with that said, stay sharp, gentlemen. 
and meet us at the summit. And as we continue on here on an amazing episode, the 34 episode of the Kimolajuan Part 2, we're going to go ahead and go into the playoffs and the road that the Rockets had to take if they were going to have a chance at repeating, going back to back. We are going to dive, we are going to talk about all of it here on the Summit State of Mind. Let's move on here. So this Rockets team, like we said, they finished around 500 after the acquisition of Clyde. They finished 47 and 35. Definitely underwhelming in terms of a, de- a defending championship record. Um, six seed. L- let's remove the fact that they won the title. Let's let's go from this time here. 47, 35, six seed. Not looking to win anything. Every team that they have to face going into the finals here has won at least 60 games. The, you're looking like as of right now, the confidence isn't there to, to win. But, but I want to talk. I want to ask you, Coach. The setup here: first round, Utah Jazz. This is going to be a tough. This is a tough matchup. You know, going into it, what was your immediate thoughts? What, what did you think overall of that of going into the playoffs? Did you have belief that they could go back to back, or did you think that, oh man, this is this may be rough? This, I, well, I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't think right away we were going to go back to back, but definitely. This will be the hardest road to go back to the championship. Any, Every any, any NBA team in NBA history. Yeah, in right? NBA, you have to agree. like, of course, I think during the during the coverage, every cast started with no six no six seed has ever won the championship. Let's start in there. NBA. <laughs> yeah, F, let's start and there. So Houston Rockets has a hard road to get back into champ into the championship. So, but. Belief will always be there. And I think, you know, the, the championship season previously, um, I think that's what gave us all the hope that said, you know what, nothing is ever done until the last, until the, the horn sounds. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. that. I think we can hang our hats and say, nothing is ever written and nothing's ever done. No game is, is won until the, the, the last horn is has been sounded. So that's what you went into with every game. That's what you went in with, with hope thinking, okay, somehow someone else is going to have to come up big. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hakeem is not, you know, we were hoping he would be a hundred percent. And I think a couple games, he was like scored career highs, I think, or something like that, 40 mm-hmm. point, something like that. Just just to win the game, but you knew Clyde will also be there. And and like I said, the 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 desire to win one for Clyde, I think, was what I felt the most. Every chance Hakeem got, he he looked at Clyde just like, man, man, this is gonna be hard, but we're gonna do this for you. Like the whole team galvanized. I don't know if they really did, but on on the on the TV, it it looked like everyone was tr- it was gunning to get Clyde his championship ring. Yeah. So the hope was there, but we knew it was not going to be easy. Every game we're going to get punched in the face, mm-hmm. but we had to get up and still come back and and try to get a win somehow, some way. And I think the whole the whole way through until we got I don't know what what got it through. If there was like a single game that I can remember that kind of changed it for us. But I, I just felt like it just got more and more, they got more confident in yes. Clyde yes. and in the game plan that they were doing. 
And so, and I think Hakeem just got stronger every game too. I think that, you know, being out helped uh, him mm-hmm. that, and, and he just got his legs under him at the right time. Timing wise, exactly. it, it just came right. Yeah. It's basically how LeBron was this year. Like if AD doesn't, doesn't get hurt, uh, LeBron gets enough time to get his legs under him. Yeah. Eliminated by Phoenix. So if, if Clyde wasn't there to save Hakeem, then we probably get ousted in the first round in 95 too. So it, yeah. go, it goes a lot for saying how the Clyde stepping up did a lot for Hakeem in regards to giving him the proper amount of time to get his legs back to where yes. he yeah. produce like he normally does in the playoffs. Absolutely. So I see yeah. that exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Good call. This is like, and, and, even to add on to what y'all are saying, like this is this is like this is the toughest road in, in my opinion in NBA history in terms of how you how they got there. Every team, if correct me if I'm wrong, I think in every team that they face, there's at least a Hall of Famer. Right? I think yes, so. John absolutely. Stockton, John Stockton, Carmelone in round one, Charles Barkley in round Charles Barkley in round two, Dave Robinson in round uh, in conference finals, and then you got Shaquille O'Neal. So there is a Hall of Famer in every Everyone. category. Sixty yeah. wins in every category. Every yeah. So you know, so I I gotta say, um, GM, I'm gonna direct question over to you. Uh first round, they do they do really well. Uh Clyde, Clyde shows his medal, shows why he deserves it. Yeah, but the shining moment, in my opinion, was game five going down. They're down three one here against Phoenix. This is it. This is the game mm-hmm. here. Tell tell uh tell the listeners what what was going on with Clyde in particular. So what 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 happened here? In game so five? in game five, probably like two hours before tip off, Clyde is in at the arena. Clyde has the flu. Um and what happens is even you see Mario Ellie getting taped up in the locker room, the Clutch City documentary, and he says, man, Phoenix thinks it's going to be easy because Clyde ain't playing tonight. It seems like he's not going to play. Clyde literally shows up 45 minutes before tip-off. And Mario Ellie, if I quote him right, says, Clyde walks in the locker room, looks sick as shit, <laughs> and just and comes out and decides to play. I mean, he has no not color. Just, he lost yeah, he, he looks pale, yeah, yeah. and he just looks like he's dehydrated. They immediately put a, hook him up to an IV to hydrate him just so he can get in and play. And from what I recall, he only scored like four points that whole game. But I would uh, – how would I say this? That would be comparable to what Willis Reed did in Game 7 of the 1970 NBA Finals when he hurt his ankle, and he went out there, scored two points, and then left. Because just to be like – Hey, I'm here for you guys. I'm coming out and I'm going to play for as long as I can. Not as dramatic in that respect, but Clyde did not play very well. But the fact that he was there for the team, that was he, was a, he played a decoy. That was more than enough. And even yep. like if you recall in the fourth quarter, Kevin Johnson drives to the paint in the last possession of the fourth quarter. And they find Wesley Person wide open for three at the wing. And who contests that three? It was Clyde. And he went all in on that contest. And that's what basically brought them into OT in game five. And basically because of that, that's what allowed them to get the win. Because of that one play by Clyde, it kept them in the game, put them in overtime, and that's like that possession was one that people don't remember. People are not going to recall 
game yeah. five because yeah. people remember the kiss of death. Yeah, that's all they remember. Yep. But yep. that yep. contests on a wide open Wesley Person three. And recall, Wesley Person was a great three great three pointer back in the yep. day. So Clyde doing that, unbelievable. Yeah. Effort dehydrated and with the flu. That's a performance. The original no flu, the original flu game. Absolutely. <clears throat> okay, so people are probably wondering right now, like, man, what are these guys doing? They're they're not talking about a team anymore. They're talking about the team. But my counterpoint, <clears throat> two things. One, you can't talk about a team without talking about Clyde. They go hand in hand. Yep. Two we're going into the conference finals here. Kiss of death happens. Bye-bye. Good night to Phoenix. Go to sleep. Get out of here. Go home. Conference finals here. Here we go. Now we're gonna we're gonna circle back to Hakeem. The person, this is the person the episode's all about. Hakeem sees something that he hasn't seen that you know that flares his nostrils, gets him going, puts the blood, gets the blood flowing. He sees David Robinson holding the MVP up. MVP trophy. Woo! Okay, coach. This is the setup here. This is Bamboozle City. This is this is Hakeem saying he is holding my MVP, which Hakeem does not talk shit anymore to anybody. But the fact that he said that was huge. I have to ask you, I have to ask you, coach. Wow. Like that, that this was, final this performance. Is, was this the greatest? People attest saying that this could be the greatest single series performance in NBA history. That's yeah, what this, this is this is. This is, this is, um, yeah, legendary status, I guess is what they, the kids call it nowadays. Legendary. Just, it's, it's like, rewind. How old are you again, Hakeem? You're back to like, you just came out. I mean, you, you saw, and, and as, as Hakeem was back in the day towards the latter, he just, he showed his, his work, his effort, his dedication to the game on the floor. He never needed to talk. He never needed to say anything to David Robinson. All David Robinson saw was shoes. I think he was wearing uh, his dream shakes at the time or something. Or yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. Uh, that's all he saw because that's all he that's all Hakeem let him see. Because he, he, he made the quick. M- he made the yeah. MVP look like. He was a rookie. It was, it, was hor- it was it was a it was like a murder on the scene. It was horrible yeah. to watch. Yes. <laughs> and they and you could see you, you, you know you've seen all the highlights of him getting like oh, schooled, yeah. turn around, faked, whatever. You just look at his face. It shows that he he just didn't know what was coming. He didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. He thought if there was any like <laughs> sense of humility that david robinson ever learned he learned it in that series (laughs) that was it that was it he he probably never would ever talk to hakeem because he'd be like sir i'm sorry sir i didn't mean this is your this is your trophy sir here you're sorry i didn't mean to (laughs) that's to me if if that ever happened that hakeem would have been like oh it's okay yeah it's okay upset you didn't mean to upset you (laughs) yeah it's okay i just needed to go past you to get the real trophy so it's okay (laughs) <laughs> that that's what he said you know at the end of the yeah. day he's gonna hold that he's gonna they're gonna hold the real trophy so man like just to see that live is just amazing gm it is have, yeah oh sorry sorry go ahead Did you no, no no i was just gonna say live live yes. on tv live on tv not necessarily live i never man that that i think is what turned it around that series um i think 
brought the the city back together too. That's when everyone knew, okay, even though we were succeed, even though that we were we we cruised in the in the in the se- regular season, even though that you know we had some strife towards the end, even though people were still banged up, that series was just okay. We're ready. We're ready. Whoever coming out of the east, we're ready. There you go. It's true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, no, and I completely agree. Uh, GM, I have to, I, you know, we have to direct the question over to you now that Hakeem Olajuwon, this is his, you know, that that's the, this is the moment here. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Uh, game, game one, they win by one. Hakeem had 27. And then you're looking at games two and three back to back. San Antonio wins game three, but you're looking at back to back 40 point performances. Mm-hmm. This is legendary status in terms of that. We didn't see it live, mm-hmm. like I say, but. We've seen plenty of clips and whole games yeah. of it. So, your thoughts on what you what you saw on Hakeem Olajuwon, on what how he made David Robinson look like like a child? <laughs> he was he was just out to prove to show the world that he was the real MVP, and he truly believed that if he wasn't hurt, he would have won back to back MVPs. Um, but you know, it, it's like how Michael would find motivation on the littlest and smallest things in order to push himself. I don't I, I believe that Hakeem probably, you know, he he didn't feel that David was deserving per se, but he had the better season, right? But to Hakeem, that's motivation because it's like yeah. that I was MVP. That's my trophy. You know, like literally this point last year, they were presenting it to me. And you know what? I'm the best center in the league, and I'm gonna show everyone why I am still the best center in the league. And that type of confidence that Hakeem showed just to absolutely obliterate him and bamboozle David Robinson, it elevated everyone else. Absolutely. They said they, uh, two things. One, they said Robert always said they felt like they were in a schoolyard, like, oh, oh, get him, dream. Oh, they said they were doing moves that they had never seen before. And then, uh-huh. two, and then, two, it was so, you know, so interesting. Uh, shoot, I, I had something I was going to say, and I don't, and I don't remember. <laughs> I, I, like, literally, it's been on my brain since like I asked the coach the question. I was like, oh, man, I had something to say. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's frustrating. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's okay. It'll come to me sooner. It'll come to me sooner or later. It, it definitely, it, it reaffirmed who the greatest center was. Like, you know, you, I think in that two series, David Robinson, and then the, the following one, you mm-hmm. saw what the NBA was touting as, okay, these are the centers that are going to take over. They didn't think Hakeem was someone that is going to stay around and be at the top of the, uh, of the heap, especially when you had someone like Shaquille coming in mm-hmm. and just killing everybody just with size alone. So absolutely, absolutely. Just to show for him to show that, hey, David Robinson, he was kind of a mobile center, had range, blocks, you know. He was extremely got, athletic. Yeah. Absolutely. He was he was an athlete among just centers alone. And he and Hakeem made him look like he was a, a, a rookie. Absolutely. Like and standing still. Yeah, you're right. And you know, like and I'm gonna quote Jordan here from The Last Dance. I mean, it's almost as if he saw the he saw the MVP and then and then Hakeem goes, and then, then it became personal with me. <laughs> he absolutely took mm-hmm. offense. He took offense to it and he did that. So they they mollywop, they handle Phoenix. I mean, not Phoenix, sorry, San Antonio in six games. They go into the finals here. This is a meeting now between the past and the future. Shaquille O'Neal's on the come up here. He's the future of the NBA. The the NBA is promoting him. He is the face of the NBA. 
NBA, becoming that way. Uh, Magic is a very young team. They got Horace Grant, former Bull player. Uh, Penny Hardaway on the come up. Penny Hardaway was a beast of a point guard, probably one of the most underrated point guards in NBA history, <clears throat> obviously because the injuries derailed him. So yeah. this was a team here that was T-Mac. looking. Yeah, there you go. The T-Mac of, to- uh, yeah, before. Keep it real. Keeping, you know, they were looking to dethrone the old, the old guys in the Western Conference here. Hakeem versus Shaq. This is uh this is billed as a matchup of matchups. You know, just this is the NBA's wet dream here. They got they got Patrick Ewing and Hakeem in 94, and now they get Hakeem and Shaq in 95. So, mm-hmm. coach, I have to ask you, going into these finals here, did you fear the magic? Not fear the magic, wrong, wrong, wrong way to say no. it. No. But <laughs> no. Okay. So what were your thoughts going in here? Did you feel like, yo, we got this? No, not not we got this, but we def I definitely thought that we you had we had event. No, no fear. Okay. okay. Even though, yeah, you were right. The NBA media outlets, they were like, there's nothing stopping Shaquille. There's and teaming up with Anthony Hardaway, the Magic Johnson 2.0, you know, the next coming of the 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 point forward or whatever yes. they were trying to say, you know, like, yeah, just you had, and this is the, the clear classic example of uh, youth and inexperience versus veterans and experience. Yes. You like you, you cannot underestimate that knowing how to play the right way at the right time comes to fruition when, you know, you're, you're under pressure, you're, you need to make that bucket. Who are you going to sh- give the ball to? What play are you going to, you know, uh, are you going to run? Um, what personnel, who are you going to put on the corner just in case your plan A doesn't go, you know, go right? Are you going to be, you know, um, calm enough to see that there's a there's a wing uh, ready to take that three for you? You know, yeah. that's the play that is actually ran. So, mm-hmm. Knowing that, I was confident that we would we would come out on top. Now, and then to to the extent I knew that they were touting, you know, Penny Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal. I thought, shit, Clyde and Hakeem. That's that's our two. That's our big two. Absolutely. Clyde can, yeah, Clyde can definitely. I wouldn't say you know hang on to Penny Hardaway per se, but you know anything that Penny's done. Clyde is the one you're copying it from. He's been there before you. So he knows what you what you can do because you're doing it. He's done it before. And then Hakeem, he he just knew, you know, brute strength. Yeah, that's that's Shaquille's, you know, hallmark. Yeah. He still can't. He still House, can't. Yeah, Hall of Pain. Hall of Pain. <laughs> that's that's what he does. No, that's seriously, you're right. That's what he does. He uses his weight, pushes his weight around. We are going to continue on here on the podcast, but before we do, we not want to give you guys a public service announcement. I understand now, uh, me and the GM especially, bars are reopening, everything's reopening, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, it's a beautiful thing, vaccines are rolling out, uh, masks are becoming optional, it's absolutely fantastic. So what do we want to do when we haven't seen each other in over a year? We want to celebrate, obviously. Toyota Center is being reo- has reopened. Uh, Minute Maid Park is reopened, especially all the other different uh, venues that are starting to reopen now. We understand that. We respect that. And we like to have fun, too. But you all, we all need to remember that even though we are having fun, whether it's at a bar, at a friend's house, at Minute Maid Park, you need to make sure that you are taking care of yourself and you have a ride home so you don't drive home drunk. Are you going to take one for the road? 
What did that last drink cost you exactly? Thousands of dollars in legal and court costs, your license, and possibly your job when you're arrested for driving drunk. The Summit State of Mind reminds you that the law enforcement is always out every day protecting everyone from drunk drivers. If you're watching a Rockets or an Astros game, celebrate responsibly and don't take a chance because chances are you will be caught. Designate a sober driver. You can call an Uber or call a family member or friend from home or take a ride straight to jail. Remember... You drink and drive, you lose. GM, I want to ask you, I want to direct a question over to you now. So the NBA Finals is set up here. Um, This game one is is huge. They go down 20. uh, I I don't remember what the name of it is. Is it Amway Arena? I don't know if it's Amway. Is it Amway? It was. was, What was at the time? What was it? Yeah. Was it, um, it was Amway? Oh, anyways, no, they're in was, Orlando. Was, yeah, yeah, it was in Orlando. The they're in Amway Orlando. They're up twenty in the first half. Or no, it was the O Arena at that time. Yeah, they they're, they're, up, they're up twenty. Shaquille O'Neal's uh-huh. bowling kisses to the crowd. They feel like, yo, this is ours. They're uh, they're up twenty. Now, this is where the this is where the veterans of the Houston Rockets, our championship savvy, comes into play here. Clyde brings us back here in the game. Huh? People tend to forget that. Uh, you know, Kenny Smith hits the hits the game tying three. Well, he hit yeah. six or seven threes in that game. Six or seven. Yeah. He had the fine. Didn't he have the finals record at one point before Ray Allen mm-hmm. beat it? Yep. yep. Finals record. So you know, and on top of that, you know, icing on the icing on the Sunday. Hakeem Olajuwon episode. Hakeem Olajuwon gets the tip in. Olajuwon gets the tip in yeah. to win game one. What were your thoughts, obviously, from that from that win? The medal of this team kind of just showed. And did you and and I know we didn't live in that time, but all but you know we weren't really there at that time. But from that moment on, like we had their number. They mm-hmm. couldn't beat us at that point. You'd have to agree, right, GM? Yeah, they they we had the number. Um, and the the reason is because of their inexperience. Granted, Nick Anderson had to miss four free throws in order to keep us just in the game. So there was one possession with what twelve seconds left in the game. But yeah, his in regards to that, A1. yeah, we had. We had the experience, and we had been coming from behind the whole playoffs, a lot of games. So we had the medal for that. Orlando hadn't really experienced much diversity. Was it uh, adversity? Not diversity, sorry. Adversity adversity, in regards to any type of issues happening in-game. And their immaturity really came out not just in that game but that whole series because of that they couldn't calm down so you know how they say young angst kenny remember when we'd play yeah, with yeah, younger players yeah, yeah. call it young angst, angst and on the court i love so it i love it that energy it's the maturity <laughs> that is the calming energy and the maturity that comes through when it That's really right. matters yeah and we're on the other side of that coin now. We're, yeah. we're in Rockets. Ter- <laughs> we're in Rockets territory now in terms of playing on basketball. And for the Rockets, that was such a big thing. It just carried through Game One because of what happened in Game One. Carried throughout the whole series in just four games, we yep. swept right through, and it showed because Orlando never recovered. They never regained nope. their confidence, and it's unfortunate. But that's that's what happens when you run through a buzzsaw like that 95 Houston Rockets team, like they were built for it. They had to go through all that adversity just to get to the finals. Nothing came easy. So they went through the ringer for it and they earned it. And in my opinion, that's probably the most impressive NBA championship I've ever seen from anybody. Bar none. none. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
Robert Orr even stated that was his favorite one to win out of his seven titles. Which is saying something. Yep. <laughs> he's been through a lot. He's been through a lot, and no one's ever seen it. It's never been done. No seed lower than four, and I think I don't remember which team that was, but no seed lower than four has won a title. And then mm. you have, and then you have that Houston Rockets team, nineteen ninety five. Um, let me big, let me say something. Yeah. Let me pick back off what just said. Yeah. Um, about that, uh, you know, having the calmness of and maturity to go through. I mean, you could just look at the Orlando Magic. Kind of remind me of like, and I'm going to be very old. I'm going to sound very old. Just like all the kids today, you know, they think they're they have all the hype. They've done all. They they think they know everything. They know that they can they can probably beat everybody because mm-hmm. they're young. And look at that team. That team just took out the Chicago Bulls. Uh, and and uh, mm. you know and they mm-hmm. I think they beat them three four one or something like that. Not even not even close. So they're riding on a high. Like they really have something to prove. Like they're gonna win this championship because they really they didn't think that the Houston Rockets are gonna give them any. Yeah. any kind of effort i mean they're mm-hmm. the sixth seed they're yeah. they're just yeah, yeah. you know just scraping by just to get by so when you come out and they had that game like you said they were up 20 or you know in first half and they had to just claw their way back and nick anderson had to miss those free throws just to just to keep them in the game it, it they just didn't know that anyone could beat them and when they did they just they faltered they just whittled away yeah, yeah, no, they because did. they were yeah, yeah, because then all of a sudden they they thought they were invincible, and then they get beat like that. Come back, come back from behind, and the Rockets never lost their temper, never lost their nope. cool. They mm-hmm. they just went about it. They just chipped away, chipped away, chipped away, and then at at the right moment when Orlando made the mistake. I think Nick Anderson only needed to make one, right? Something yes, like that. He needed to make one. They were down yeah, three yeah. the whole time. Yeah, down three yeah. the whole if he time. Makes, yeah, if make... he makes one, that's amazing. That's that it. was game. That's yeah. game. And, and, that's it's why... not, and he's not a rollover player. He, he was a star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nick Anderson and was so a great player. That one, one small crack, and the Rockets cracked it open so wide that they won the championship. That's 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 really how how fragile, like you said, they were. They had yep. one kink in their glass. The Rockets took advantage, busted right through shot. there, and then that was it. They, yeah, and they never. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely, and 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 let's cap it off by the fact that Akeem Olajuwon hits a three in the corner. Like, come on, mm-hmm. <laughs> in oh, game, four. game four. Yeah, come on now, in Houston. You know, it, it, it's amazing stuff, and this is you know great stuff. And so let's continue on here. So Akeem wins his second title. This is it, back to back. One of the toughest, one of the toughest uh, roads to the finals in history, and he does it, and the Rockets do it. They win two titles. They're riding high here. Um, Hakeem has become a bona fide Hall of Famer already at this mm-hmm. point, but the downward slope has to happen at some point. He's thirty-two. Mm-hmm. He's thirty-two by the time that they win this uh, NBA Finals Second here. They're trying to win a third, but at the end of the day, they're getting older. Clyde's getting older. They acquire Barkley. They continue to try. They're, they they want to get these pieces to try to continue to contend and win a title. Does I want to direct the question to you first, GM. Direct memories on Hakeem on the I'll call it the pajama jersey era. I don't know why they changed it. You had the colors of a championship. I don't know why you changed it, first of all. But anyways, that's neither here nor well, there, that, but I have that, to ask you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, 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 Jim. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just go, you go go ahead with your question because I'm yeah. I have a response to that. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> what are your immediate thoughts like? Uh-huh. You know, on Akeem Olajuwon, obviously the downward slope is happening. So, uh-huh. what were your immediate thoughts on on this le- twilight of his career now after that '95 mm-hmm. season? I'm gonna say on the jersey changing thing. That's a money ploy. Les Alexander was trying to capitalize on the Fucking championship less, run, less. and <laughs> the '90s obviously was a big thing when it pertained to like the really colorful uniforms, like where the Raptors, the Grizzlies, <laughs> and uh, things. Vancouver, or I'm sorry. Yeah, Vancouver. The, the Milwaukee Bucks had the purple jerseys too, and yeah. it was fairly crazy. So, in regards to that, that was the reason I wasn't a fan of it. I, I but I'm not going to lie to you. I like the jerseys now as I've gotten older. Oh, I, I, I love the navy. I, I do too. Yeah. I do too. I, I, yeah, I think nice. I yeah, okay, nice. at that time I was like, yeah. why would you change the championship colors? Yeah. I'm just saying. I've always thought. I've always <laughs> thought there was a curse on that jersey because. We ne- we didn't do anything with those jerseys, and they've yep. never retroed it since. So I'm just yeah, saying. never. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't True. touched it. True that. So, so outside of the jerseys, though, uh, GM yeah. just yeah, Hakeem's, Well, yeah, Hakeem's career down yeah, the, down the stretch. Down the stretch, he was getting older. Kenny Smith even stated like Hakeem never experienced knee tendonitis until '95. So imagine from '95 mm. through his final years in Houston, yeah, like he was that was on. starting yeah. to really affect him. He couldn't put it in consistently. Consistently, he still he still had those legendary performances, but they were becoming further and further between. In '96, everybody got hurt. Ori got hurt. Cassell got hurt. Kenny Smith got hurt. Clyde got hurt. Hakeem got hurt. All of them were hurt in 96. They all kind of like, nobody came around to full health, especially when Cassell became the starter during that time. And then he had to go down because uh, he was hurt. So everybody was starting to experience the injuries from two championship runs. Yep. These guys had to take, their summers were the shortest. So their bodies weren't recovering as well as other people. So unfortunately, that's why they had to go and go for the trade with Charles Barkley. And not just because of the injuries, but because of the fact they couldn't get past the Sonics. The Sonics were still a better team. They ran a faux zone against us when zone was still illegal at that point in time, the NBA. Mm -hmm. Nobody Mm -hmm. remembers that. But their team was built to take us down. And the fact that we needed Barkley to give us that extra size against a Kemp a uh sam perkins a detlef shrimp you know in regards to and an irvin johnson i don't remember he was the backup at that point as well that they needed that extra size to beat the rockets agreed all right yeah so that's why the rockets had to exchange robert ori and sam cassell to get charles barkley and it worked out in 97 to beat the Sonics, but that's the reason why we couldn't beat Utah. So yeah. it was weird how te- like everything chess changed. Match. Yeah. You know, the whole element of the team changed. That's and right. I was at the time, I was still relatively young. Um, I was really sad because Sam Cassell was my favorite player. Easy as that. <laughs> my mom too. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, like everybody's he was, he was my guy. Yeah. And, Charles Barkley did well for us that very first year, but that was it. He was that great was that first year. I mean, his career ended in Houston as well. So, you know, um, so good thoughts. Good thoughts overall on that. Uh, coach, for being someone, once again, that has lived through it, uh, you got to see the twilight of his of, of Hakeem's career live. 
Um, how did it feel? What was your memories on it? Did it, did it, you could kind of see the final horn sounding? Yeah. I, I, Personally, I wanted him to, like, I, I think before he, he went to Toronto, I wanted him to retire. Uh, I think the last, yeah, yeah the last two yeah. years after, the two years after the championship run where we uh-huh. got Barkley and I think we got Pippen too or something like that, the, the following year or the year after that. Yep. Um, that, those were the years I said, okay. They can they can sh- you know shoulder the load and give Hakeem some breaks, mm-hmm. but it never really turned out that way. And then I just wanted him to just retire. And then I I did notice that he was more trying to be more involved in the city. He was already involved in in Houston as a you know as a businessman. But I remember that was a lot of the the news about Hakeem wasn't about you know the Houston Rockets, it was about his business dealings, his real mm-hmm. estate development, you know, all the, all the things he was doing around the city, the big man camp that I think he did. Uh, he was starting up with uh, towards the end of his career. So it was like, and then I just, I, he, to me, it was sad in a way that he, he had to play through all those injuries and, and his play diminished. Uh, I would have loved to see him, kind of do the the mic where you know somewhat on top yeah go retire yeah, yeah. go retire like, yeah we appreciate you and 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 everything but the fact that he went to toronto not a lot of people i i think not a lot of people really remember that or even kind of point to you know everyone knows that he was a houston rocket all the way he played yeah. i think one season in toronto um but I think that was, I just remember reading somewhere that he loved the city enough that he wanted to live there. That's why he ended up playing in Toronto, something mm. to that effect. Yeah. So yeah. I was, so, but I just wanted him to just have that kind of like ride through the sunset, yeah. get his due. Um, yeah. See, and he was like, I remember seeing this guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just, not, I wasn't sad for him, but it just was a little down that he, he, yeah, heartbreaking to see his game diminish and that he, he would, I mean, he still has moves, it's just slower and, you know, not as effective. And, you know, uh, centers or players coming into the league much quicker took his moves and kind of adapted it for their game. And, you know, the, the pace of the game got quicker and, he couldn't. He couldn't. You know, keep up. Yeah, not so, at that point anymore. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's a. Uh, it's definitely a. It was a sad ending to say the least uh, for his yeah. career. And the fact that he couldn't mm-hmm. retire a rocket was obviously a big. That too. Yeah, yeah. That was that was, that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, you know, to go home here, it's a, we can't. The ending was tough, but we cannot diminish the amazing career he had. Uh, career averages twenty two points a game. 11 boards, about three assists. I mean, to average that over the span of your entire career is quite amazing. Uh, that It dips because I think in Toronto, he averaged only seven. So if we discount that, it's probably like 23, yeah, yeah. probably 23, 24 points as a rocket. So that alone is, is amazing. Um, a few things here. Uh, I have to say, one, let's talk about his fa- uh, a favorite memory that you have of Akeem Olajuwon. I'm going to start with you, uh, Coach. Favorite memory of Akeem Olajuwon? Uh, favorite memory... 
definitely the the San Antonio series. I mean, the the showcase uh big man versus big man, but the one memory I, I will clearly say is my favorite is the the tip in. The mm. the Clyde Drexler layup with the tip in that I th- you know <laughs> over Shaquille and and taking that first game, it was just you you could tell that was you know that was sheer desire to get that first game. You could see when they when they won, they were like, Yeah, we got this first game. Oh yeah, yeah and Clyde, and yeah. it was Clyde too, it was like, oh, that was it. And then <laughs> that's right, that's right. You know, they needed they 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 wanted to say, Hey, we're sick, we're we're the six seeds, we're the underdogs. You're supposed to you're supposed to supplant supplant us. You're supposed to be the new team, but we ain't going out like that. Mm-hmm. Come on. We got it. fighting us stuff, you know, in us still. Mm-hmm. So just I mean, to see that tip, yeah, to me, that tip in is probably other than the spin move, you know, the one they show in the highlights where they just Dave put Robinson. David Robinson on the in the, the bl- spin cycle is what they call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, it was so good. I mean, you see that all the time, you know, watching any rocket highlight, you see he does that move all the time. But you're right. Some of those moves, the first time you ever see it connect was during that series he would he would do like seven different spin moves just to get david robinson to be like where the hell did he go i mean that's all instincts from there you don't practice that you just you got it or you don't good stuff good stuff uh coach gm direct question over to you favorite uh hakeem olajuwon memory okay so my favorite memory of hakeem is after he won the first title when he was on the bench and he covers his face after we win it's like one of the most, you know, it's, it's, it's emotional in the sense that it is our first championship. It's his first title. He's been Mm -hmm. through so many failures in his life. And, you know, most people respond with that excitement and happiness. He responded in just more. So I want to soak this in. I'm going to enjoy it. I mean, he may have looked almost despondent almost, but it was just him absorbing everything because of how much it meant to him to finally reach the pinnacle and I think that's just who he was and who he is now still as Hakeem, the guy who's just cool, calm, and collected, even when he's at the highest of highest, still calm, cool, and collected. And I think that is pretty cool. That was really cool to see. And I, you know, it brings back a lot of good things, you know, because of the fact that that's our first title, uh, you know, in regards to that. Yeah like specific play. I mean, that block in the first round in 94, when he blocks Rod Strickland on that fast oh, break. Oh yeah. That's, Oh yeah. That was oh, probably one of the coolest always blocks. Always there. Seen. Yeah. <laughs> like coming back. That's like LeBron on Iggy, right? Like the chase down block. Yeah. That was probably one of the from coolest behind. things I've yeah. ever seen. You know? yeah. And to see that that's a six foot point guard and a seven yeah. foot guy. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the right. Speed. That's yeah. Right. The speed. The speed the to get speed. there. Agreed, yeah, agreed. yeah, we're not talking AD and LeBron who are the same size. They're just maybe, you know, 100 pounds difference. But we're talking literally another person on top of another person running down your own, a small, a 6'10 point guard. <laughs> That's or right. Or 6'7 exactly. point guard, whatever. Exactly, That's right. exactly. I think, uh, I think for me, my, my favorite memory has to be uh, the 1994 NBA Finals. That spin move on, on Ewing to get that dunk was... We put like cement in uh, Ewing shoes. Like, mm-hmm. good God, 
Like, obviously, we can always go back to that Spurs series, you know, the bamboozle. Uh, but I think personally for me, that spin move to the dunk was like, man, you just made a Hall of Famer look silly. <laughs> like, yeah. It was a great move. Beautiful move. Uh, I think it was on a rebound, too. Wasn't it on a rebound? He caught It was a rebound, caught on a rebound, pass out, and then he just faced up. Yep. yep. And we are going to move on here. But before we move on, we need to let you guys know and give you an update on the greatest and best retro anime goods store on this side of Houston, and that is Day Off. Are you tired of the same old anime tees? Are you tired of the same old mallcore look? The Woodlands mallcore look? Don't you want to see some older classic animes getting love? Well, be sure to check out the brand Day Off for your retro anime goods from animes like Macross and Neon Genesis Evangelion to Cowboy Bebop and My Hero Academia. Day Off is your source for anime-induced graphic mayhem. You can use the code right now, DAYOFFSUMMIT, for a 10% off discount at dayoff.shop. That is D-A-Y-O-F-F dot shop. I'm telling you all right now, it is definitely at the full forefront of culture changing. Anime being what it is, not closeted anymore. Definitely at the forefront of pop culture. So be sure to check out my best friend Chris's anime streetwear label known as Day Off and let them know that the Summit State of Mind sent you. And as we ready to go home on the podcast, we cannot end off a podcast without talking about the one move that made Hakeem the dream, the dream. And what better way to describe it than call it what it is, the dream shake. The move that stumped thousands of players, or I guess hundreds of players, and stumped MVP centers, MVP players alike. And that there was no one in the NBA that could stop it. We're going to dive, we're going to continue to talk about it with myself, with the GM, and the coach here on the Summit State of Mind. Before we cap off here in Legendary Career, we have to talk about one thing that obviously encapsulates who he is as a, uh, as a player, the Dream Shake. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the Dream Shake. We need to talk oh, about yeah. the Dream Shake. Mm-hmm. It is his move, patented now and forever as the, as the go-to move. Uh, Players always, what is it? Uh, always imitated, never duplicated. People, players yeah. try. Kobe, maybe one of the closest. Uh, Michael, footwork-wise as well. But these are guards. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's been no, uh-huh. and you'll have to agree, there's no center that has done that ever since. Always imitated, never duplicated. Uh, Coach, I just have to ask you, the memories of the Dream Shake and how it made you feel inside. <laughs> nah. like, like how most sports... Writers say the the sky hook was unguardable and was the ultimate shot dream shake. That to me is the ultimate shot because you're not you, you don't even the difference with the sky hook is you're creating distance. So when you face up, your body is between the defender and the ball. The dream shake, he's coming right at you or he's bumping right into you bringing the ball around you. Let me use Charlie as an example. There the ball go. is here and it goes around you <laughs> and then dunks it in. So Charlie's looking at you like, where? what? Right here? The ball was right here. <laughs> he was like, where did it go? Because he, he, fakes, <laughs> he fakes the ball here, makes the turnaround, and he can't even – he's like, oh, the ball is already behind me, and he's already, he's already gone, and uh, the ball is already in the basket. The footwork that has to be done. That's the I think the key to how the game is has changed. Knowing that a big man, seven foot plus, 
mm-hmm. easily 250 pounds, 300 pounds close. Not not Shaquille weight, but definitely not skinny by any standard. Mm-hmm. No. And no. to be able to have footwork like uh, a point guard and still be able to control and have, you know, ball control in midair and mid-stride, when you're making that spin move, you're spinning on one one foot, sometimes on your tippy toes. And for a seven-footer to do that, spin around, say, a Shaquille O'Neal in order to, to get to the basket mm-hmm. and leave the defender not even knowing where you're going because he put a little you know, crossover or a juke step before he makes the spin move. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what right, freezes that's right. people and puts that cement in your shoe. And mm-hmm. then by that, by then he's already going up for the basket and you're just like, he just, what, wait, went to my left. <laughs> he just so, gave basically an encyclopedia break. Like yeah. a basketball breakdown right there of that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, so, it's just incredible yeah. dexterity and coordination yeah. that he and possessed you s- and you combine that with his size. That's yeah. You don't see that anymore. And I don't know if you'll ever see it again. I'm not sure. Not Maybe. in a big. Yeah, yeah not, not in a big. big yeah. And you notice now. I mean, uh, I just read about his uh, big man camp. He used to only get big men in the camp. You know, mm. the uh, I don't know who was in in his camp before, but now uh, more recently he's gotten guards, mm-hmm. uh, big. You know, KD, LeBron, Kobe. The six eight, six ten stretch yeah. wing that you're talking about today, the ones who have the same size, um, they want to learn that that footwork because it's essential now in the game in order to get around players who are quicker. Mm-hmm. No one ever right. saw, yeah, no one had ever seen anyone instead of going through like a Shaquille or like most big men back then, just to use their size and and push you down into the block. No one ever thought you can get around them. It's mm-hmm. much quicker to get around them. Agreed. And now they do. Yeah. Now they do. Giannis is taking advantage of it. Uh, Joel Embiid, you see him trying to do that spin move. Yeah. He doesn't do it right because he spins in the same place. He the the key to the dream shake is when he spins. He's spinning from one point to another. Yep. He's spinning from where he he it's the amount of you out yeah space ground he, he gets covers on his foot yeah. yes agreed, agreed and there's a lot of different things we can break it down but there's a lot of things that happen when he starts to spin and where he ends it where i've seen a couple highlights of uh joel and uh trying to do the spin move and his quote-unquote version of the dream shake it, the, he spins in the same place he does yeah, there's not spins. much yeah he doesn't cover much there's no uh, place yeah no, no yeah, space yeah, yeah. Agreed. So baby, baby dream. It's like, yeah, it's like basic <laughs> no. steps, but it's not like the advanced course. You but know I, you I mean? know, no. yeah. And you're right. Yes. And and to, to continue on to that, I do want to ask uh, one last question to the GM before we go home here. Um, the impact of the dream shake in the career of Akeem Olajuwon and, and, and adding on to what coach said, what the amount of people that have that respect for him, the mm-hmm. legends that have con- that have approached him, that there's workout videos alone. You see it. LeBron James go. LeBron James uh, went to his camp. Kobe Bryant worked with him. Dwight Howard tried to work with him. You know, you got all these players, all these greats that respect him to this day. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask you the lasting legacy and the impact of Kim Olajuwon in his career. It's transcended everything, you know, uh, his game is still, they're still being to trying to be replicated today. Like Vincent said about KD 
LeBron going to that school. You know, it's something that has completely changed and transcended. It started as a big man thing because mm-hmm. it's the big man that needed it because that's who the ball would go towards and a lot of the offense would be geared towards. Now that it's guards, guard oriented, so it's starting to change. You know, you're seeing these guys who are six, 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 eight, six, ten, going to the mid post and utilizing G- Dream's dream shake and turning it into their own, like Kobe's fadeaway. Mm-hmm. Hakeem yep. would fade away, but he would use it to get closer to the basket, while Kobe would utilize it more to get his shot on the fade, but he would still get closer to the basket if that opportunity were presented. You know what I'm saying? Yep, and yep. LeBron, he doesn't utilize it as much, but we've seen him go to the post if need be. He uses it as more so a move in his back pocket, and if there's a mouse in the house, let's let's run it. Yep. You know what I mean? That's right. KD, it's more so just to get separation. That footwork is there, but it's more in the Kobe mold in the sense of getting the fade. He has the length and the height, but he doesn't have the strength. So... Hakeem, what he did, having that length, that height, that strength, and adding the footwork, the dexterity, and the coordination in order to do all of that into one was molding Mm -hmm. him almost into nearly the perfect player. Michael Jordan even said, like, when, you know, he made his top five fantasy team, we've reiterated this time and time again, and how the greatest player of all time states that probably – the other greatest player of all time is Hakeem because he's top 10 in so many categories that would be considered a small man's thing. Top 10 in steals. Yep. That's not a thing. He's number one in blocks shots ever. He was top 10 in scoring. I don't know if he's top 10 anymore considering Kobe, vice surpassed at LeBron. Steph Curry. Yeah. And these guys are going to move up the scoring list. So of course in regards to Hakeem, like he transcended so much in his greatness and even though he is underrated in a lot of people's minds still underrated to this the day players yep. are not yep. going to someone like a shack to learn something they're going to Hakeem. so oh, it's showing that his game is still impactful in today's nba and it shows that his game could have impacted in any era where Shaq was in the perfect area era for him, but he wouldn't have been as impactful in this era. I hate to say uh-huh. it like that. Yeah, keep it real. Keep it real. But I'm just speaking in the sense of Akeem's greatness. Yeah, he would still fit in. Now, he would be in the Jokic mold more, yep. but but obviously so much greater in his impact. But you know, just in the sense of his game, it is otherworldly, and. Uh, a man so deserving of his accolades. He's so humble, so nice. I mean, Kenny, you and yeah. I can attest to meeting him yes, and yes. being so nice. Yeah, we met him. Yep. Us, you nice, know? Really good. Mm, envious. Okay. I'm envious. Oh, no. He knew me on a. Uh, I won't say the story because uh, we're closing here, but uh, I, I will explain it at some point. But yeah, he, he knows. He knew me on a first name basis for a period of time. So that was pretty cool. The Ooh. fact that he knew me. Yeah, sorry, Vincent. <laughs> well, I, just because I worked at Lifetime and he would work out at Lifetime. That's the only reason. Oh, I see. I got it. It wasn't like a friend <laughs> what, in any way. I know. I was going to say, man, you've been like, sup, Hakeem? Sup, Hakeem? Yeah, no, he'd always dap me up. He was a very nice, always a nice guy. Uh, asked me how, how my morning was and, and just. Mm. 
just a cool guy that just shows the man that he is exactly just, and, um, and i always let him go he did, he wasn't up to date on his payments and i'm like yo you're hakeem olajuwon you never need good. to be any up to date on any yeah. payments you brought two championships <laughs> you know he comes in he comes in oh, how's your day oh it's it, it's it's going good akeem mr the dream how's yours <laughs> good i'm going to get to going to work out gonna get some shots up and I'm like, oh, all right mr dream have a good one you know it's like that it's like yeah you know, great guy, and uh, and yeah. Well, GM, this, let yeah. me let me just speak a little bit, of, Justin, just to piggyback off you saying, I still, I would, I would even go to say, if he was in playing shape, if he was, you know, maybe even, not even have to be prime Hakeem, if he was in the game today, he would dominate still because you see the absence of somebody in the middle, and to have his skill set, like you said, both like a Jokic plus at a you know, like Joel Embiid is doing really well because he he kind of brings a little bit of that old mm-hmm. uh, yep. down in the blocks type of center game back into into the spotlight. Hakeem would be doing that in space. And then if you put uh, a real zone offense or a zone defense now, Hakeem yep. would pick that apart exactly. being on the block. He would so set up in the somebody, right spot and to find someone cutting to the basket cutting, or find the open three. Open three. Exactly. Hit himself. People don't realize he was – I think he was ambidextrous. He could shoot off both, both shoulders, both hands. Mm-hmm. He can dribble basically anywhere he wanted to go and then get a shot where, wherever he needed to be. So like Kobe and like LeBron – I mean, he could dictate where and when he could get his his points, even in today's game. I think absolutely, I it's agree. A, it's an ever it's an everlasting legacy, um, and we are all in agreement that Hakeem Olajuwon is the greatest center in NBA history. I will attest to that. Does D all agree? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go home here and, and cap off on an, on a great podcast and a great episode chronicling the career of the greatest Houston Rocket who has ever lived, Hakeem Olajuwon. Coach, thank you so much for coming on once again. Ep- no problem. Uh, second thank episode you. on the podcast. <laughs> you and Charlie, big time. Yeah. Charlie, the boss, doing big things here. Charlie's <laughs> always Charlie's always the real boss. Whatever <laughs> needs to be done, even during the podcast, Charlie always makes to- it happen. Yep. Even if we need to change the diaper during the cast, I, I hope you didn't you didn't get to catch when when I uh, had to pull up the the dirty diapers. To be honest, I didn't even know what you were doing. So yeah, we had, we had no idea. I assumed I was noticed. like, oh, he's doing something. He's, doing, he's taking care of a little something. You know what? That's you know what? That's perfectly fine. You know, you're a dad. You got da- dad duties. Cute, cute baby boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, you're gonna get to know Hakeem Olajuwon too, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dad's going to yeah. teach you. Dad's going to teach you everything you need to know about Akeem. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, so we really appreciate you and your son coming on the podcast once again. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for inviting me again. It is always a pleasure to have Vincent Koo, a.k.a. Coach, on the podcast, along with his son, Charlie, a.k.a. The Rook, having them both on the podcast. Big thanks to them once again for coming on the 34 episode, the Hakeem Olajuwon episode celebrating his storied unbelievable and hall of fame career we appreciate you so much and appreciate of course the gm for just being the co-host that he is always being there with me from episode one all the way up to episode 34 and of course shout outs and thank yous to all of our listeners our fans that have continued 
to follow us, that have continued to support us all the way back in day one, all the way back when we changed our podcast from the 3-2 zone all the way to the Summit State of Mind and where we are now. We could not get this far without you guys. And we appreciate y'all for getting us over 100 followers. And finally, finally, y'all have asked, we have answered. We are officially on Twitter as well. So go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at Summit, S-O-M pod. I'll say it again, at Summit, S-O-M pod. We are currently active now on Twitter. Give us a follow through there. Launch us over 100. We really appreciate that. And of course, follow us at Instagram as well, at Summit State of Mind underscore pod. I'll say it again, at Summit State of Mind underscore pod, where we post stories, where we put out posts. We are always at the forefront when it comes to Houston news. Houston Rockets news will always be posting stuff, especially when you want to get uh, ups on our new episode. That's the best way to go about it, to check out our social media. Give us an email as well, summitstateofmind at gmail.com. If you want to give, if you want to give, us, give us a holler, give us your opinion on things, or if you want to be a special guest, we are always open to anyone that's enthusiastic about the Houston Rockets, who has an opinion, and hey, you know what, I'll even say this, even if you don't like the Houston Rockets, you are welcome to come on the pod and tell us why and be a special guest. And we're going to be having a lot more special guests coming at you very soon. We're going to have a slew of episodes coming out where we're going to have special, different special guests and it's going to be amazing. And continue to follow on the playoffs as well. The NBA playoffs have been very exciting stuff. Chris Paul, James Harden, NBA Finals, the the commissioners bracket is still alive so go ahead and follow go ahead and follow there as well big shout outs as well to all of the podcasts that are doing it big including our brothers shots and thoughts aka snt pod doing work give them a follow snt pod on instagram they're currently not active right now they're they're taking a little break but they will be back stronger than ever be sure to check out all of their past episodes even the past episode where me and the gm came on the pod as a guest spot be sure to check them all out they play games they talk about stuff that you know that piqued their curiosity they always have a topic and of course to top it all off they drink which makes things always 100 times more hilarious so go ahead and give them a follow through there oh and they play games as well so give them a follow and give them a listen and continue to subscribe to us as well we can use all of us can use the support of our podcast we only keep going because we know that we have the support of y'all even though we are few in numbers we are very strong so we appreciate that with this pandemic going on we understand that we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel we are very appreciative of that but be sure that even though you are vaccinated you don't have to wear masks anymore but if you're not feeling well go ahead and put that mask on go ahead and continue to wash your hands because covid is still not done it's still not gone so go ahead and continue to do that as well take care of yourselves and make sure to take care of each other that officially caps off celebrating Akeem Olajuwon and we are going to move on with our next episode be on the lookout for that it comes out on Tuesday Tuesday you know what that means a brand new episode of the Summit State of Mind thank you once again and we'll see you next Tuesday The Summit 4 4 4 4 4 Bye.